Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our lesson begins, Leave your gift before the altar and go, but first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus spoke these words in Galilee on the Sermon on the Mount that begins with the Beatitudes of which we have talked for these last couple of weeks. He spoke to a people who were used to and regularly traveled from Galilee days and days of hard walking and travel to get to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount, in order to offer their sacrifices unto the Lord their God. Matthew writes these words to remind new Christians, both Jews and Gentiles, those who participate in the altar of the Lord God, in the Lord's Supper, where two or three are gathered in my name, that this is still in effect. The Old Testament altar and the liturgy all pointed forward to Jesus Christ. It all finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The entire sacrificial system finds its fulfillment in the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who then gives us His body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus tells us directly and calls attention to the altar in front of this sanctuary where he talks about the divine liturgy and word and sacrament which beautifully flow out of Christ's works and words and suddenly it's interrupted. Leave your gift before the altar and first go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gifts. Leave your gift. First, be reconciled. Two elements that shape the meaning of Jesus' words here today are liturgy, the voice of the people, and anger. Some things will never change. Matthew 5 is dealing with the worship wars, not the new worship wars of contemporary or traditional worship or as old world worship and new world worship. But Jesus is talking about the wars that go on amongst brothers, amongst families, who then come to worship together at the great table of the Lord God Almighty, but yet continue to harbor hardness and hardness of heart and hatred towards those around them. To expect to receive the reconciliation at Jesus' hand while not giving that reconciliation to those around them. while harboring anger and resentment towards one another. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to just go along with the liturgy when you're angry. More specifically, it's dangerous to go to the altar of the Lord when you're angry. It's dangerous to receive the forgiveness of sins for your sake, but then not extend that forgiveness to those around you. It's dangerous. I hope you want to come to communion today. 
I hope you want to come here and be forgiven of your sins. I hope you want to be welcomed at this table. But I have to tell you, I hope you have forgiven your brother his sins against you. I hope that you have forgiven your sister her sins against you. I hope you have forgiven your pastor his sins against you. I hope you have forgiven your elder his sins against you. And I hope you have forgiven your children of their sins against you and anybody else you can think about. Do you have an ex-spouse, a neighbor, a co-worker, that idiot on the highway that cut you off? Do you have a frenemy, a high school sweetheart? Have you forgiven them their sins as the Lord God has forgiven you your sins fully and totally and completely? Sin and anger against others are unavoidable. It is unavoidable. We live in a broken and a fallen world and people are not good. In fact, most of them are just flat out crazy. And when you go out into public, you sort of expect that. If a stranger sins against me, it's like water off a duck's back. I'm in public. I expect people to be acting up. I just move on with my day. But when it's somebody of the family, when it's somebody who ought to be on my side, somebody who ought to know better, now my duck's back becomes viper scales. It's a completely different situation. Same offense. Many a family dinner has been disrupted in anger, in cruel words, hurt feelings, even outright hatred. The bitterness can last for moments. It can last for days, hours, sometimes it's decades. And then we come here on Sunday. And as the family of God come before this great altar and receive the forgiveness of sins while refusing to give that forgiveness to those around us. We come to eat the meal provided by our Lord Jesus Christ. His very body and blood given in sacrifice to purchase our souls from sin and death and hell. I tell you, it is a dangerous thing to take this meal into your body while you have hatred and anger against one of the fold. If you refuse to be reconciled, to despise someone at the altar whom the Lord God has forgiven them their sins is to despise the Lord who forgave those sins in the first place. If the Lord Jesus Christ can forgive them of their great sins, who are you to hold it against them? One of the oldest liturgical manuals was written about the same time as the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 14 of the Didache, which is Greek for teaching, 
It warns the congregations. On the day of the Lord when you assemble to break bread, let no one who has a quarrel with his companion join you until they have been reconciled. For this reason, the first generation of the church authorized the kiss of peace in between the services. And they put that directly after the service of the word, but before the communion liturgy, specifically to make sure everybody was reconciled before coming to the altar. It dropped out of fashion. In the 20th century, churches began through liturgical revisions to put it back in. Thankfully, they dropped out the kiss part. Because it just weirds me out to kiss pretty much anybody other than Stephanie. We replaced it instead with a handshake and the heartfelt words of peace be with you. That peace I give you is not mine. It's his. And I extend it to you. Sadly, sometimes the peace degenerates into some sort of confusing cacophony of jolly good mornings and how you doing, I haven't seen you in weeks. And as annoying as this may be to liturgical purists, there's something far more sinister that could be happening here. And that's when the peace is refused or even avoided. You see the offending party in a pew and you're like, whew, at least they're kind of far away from me today. I won't have to go up to them in the midst of the service and lie to them in church and through my teeth go, the peace of the Lord be with you. The full significance of those four little words becomes apparent when we rub up against real bitterness and anger and hatred. The truth is, after what they've done, the truth is, after what they've done, that you can muster up an ounce of courage to show them this little act of love and mercy. After what that two-faced fool said to you, you must really be proud of yourself to be able to put your hand out there and go, the peace of the Lord be with you, brother, even though I don't mean it, not at all. Good on you, punk. But I'll say it because, you know, everybody's watching. Thankfully, the church is full today, so basically you could avoid them altogether. Just make sure that you pick your pew right. You can commune on this side, they can commune on that side. You won't even have to look at them. Better yet, our church has got three services. For the most part, if you have a really good fight with somebody, you can just go to another service. In this church, it'll be six months before you see them again. Chances are you'll forget they even members of this church by the time you see them again. It'll be Christmas, and you'll bump into them. You're like, oh. Your wife's like, let's sit here. But seriously, anybody who has not experienced such feelings in church, you're either very young, brand new to Christianity, or you have never served on a board of any church anywhere. 
Because if it hasn't happened to you, if you have not been stabbed in the back by one of these smiling, pious brothers, just stay involved. Your day is coming. Nominations are upon us. If, you, if you're like, this has never happened to me, come see me. i got a board place for you. People sadly sometimes even leave churches altogether. They think that'll fix it. By the way, it doesn't fix it. You see, this body and blood that we eat and drink, this loaf, this cup that we share, we share this loaf, this cup, we share this altar. We share this sacred place with millions of Christians across the world. This is one loaf. This is one cup. This is one Lord and Savior. One baptism that saves us all. You can't just go to another church around the bend and say, well, see, I've solved it. I don't ever have to look at that SOB ever again. not the way Jesus works. When it comes to the pastoral practice of the communion at the altar, it's a whole lot easier to check someone's doctrinal status, do you believe in the real presence or not, than it is to bring about real reconciliation and to foster an emotional and a spiritually healthy congregation. Furthermore, to examine one's own heart shows that that reconciliation is a painful, bloody, messy business. And it is filled with tears and pain and shame. Because we hurt our friends and neighbors all the time. Sometimes they're little, sometimes they're Sometimes they're just beyond the pale. In old English, we had a word for this. It's called repentance. It's called contrition, remorse. The Welsh used to call it a long time ago, the Christian life. Leave your gift before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. This is what Jesus himself did for us. Jesus left the temple and without a word of complaint was taken outside of Jerusalem to Calvary in order to reconcile the world unto himself, in order to buy the forgiveness of your sins. And that reconciliation was a bloody and it was a painful business. Jesus explains the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for the many. We should imitate Jesus. 
And yeah, our imitation is not going to be perfect. It's it's not going to be good. It's not always going to be fun. But we should imitate Jesus nonetheless. Imitate Jesus whose perfect life, whose merciful death reconciled the world. But all of our imitating Jesus will never be enough. It's never going to be enough in order to finish the job. And so we go on imitating. And we go on imitating and reconciling and telling the truth unto our friends and neighbors and forgive them of their sins and ask to be forgiven of when we sin against them. And more importantly, we give thanks unto our Lord Jesus Christ who at this altar has given us the forgiveness of our sins. We give thanks that Jesus left the altar. He left the temple in order to be reconciled with his brothers because we are those brothers. And our reconciliation, it cost him his life. And it was a bloody bitter business. But it was perfect. And it was complete. And it was finished. And with him we can now return. And we offer our gifts. In the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us rise.